Today's scripture reading is found in 1 Samuel, the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 11. Then David fled from Nioth at Ramah, and went to Jonathan and asked, What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father, that he is trying to kill me? Never, Jonathan replied. You are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything, great or small, without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must not know this, or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, Whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. So David said, Look, tomorrow is the new moon feast, and I am supposed to dine with the king. But let me go and hide in the field until the evening of the day after tomorrow. If your father misses me at all, tell him, David earnestly asked my permission to hurry to Jerusalem, his hometown, because an annual sacrifice is being made there for his whole clan. If he says, very well, then your servant is safe. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he is determined to harm me. As for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I am guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? Never, Jonathan said. If I had the least inkling that my father was determined to harm you, wouldn't I tell you? David asked, Who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? Come, Jonathan said. Let's go out into the field. So they went there together. This is the word of the Lord. So the last time we saw in the 19th chapter uh, what we described as unfair attacks uh, being, being suffered by uh, David. Saul told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David and warned him, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow morning, go into hiding and stay there. I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are and I'll speak to him about you and I will tell you what I find out. Uh, what I find out. From David's perspective, and for that matter, Saul's, the killing of Goliath by David didn't change anything. It didn't change anything. The, 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 yeah, you killed, you, you killed Goliath. That's wonderful. But I still don't like you, and I still want to kill you. I still look at you as a threat to, uh, uh, to, to my position as king. And David it hasn't changed anything. David is still trying to figure out, what in the world did I do? What, 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 at what point did I, what, at what point, that, I mean, again, you know you better than I know you. And there are certain things that we do that, that I thank God that he doesn't give me everything that's due me. Because I've done some damnable things. I, I, I've done some things that, that are worthy of hell, uh, uh, just being born. But, but then I add on to that. 
like, I'm, I'm minding sheep. I didn't do anything. I'm just minding sheep. I get picked. This old guy sits there and throws oil on my head, says, you're going to be the next king. Uh, next thing I know, I'm, I'm, all I'm doing is I'm minding sheep again. And then my dad says, go take lunch to your brothers. So I'm obedient. I go. I take lunch to my brother. And I, all I do is make an observation. Why is nobody saying anything about this guy up there cursing our God, cursing our nation, and you guys are just sitting here just, just taking left hook after right, right cross and nobody's saying anything and nobody's doing anything? Uh, I'll kill him. I'll, I'll deal with him. Okay. Well, you dispatched them. Now I'm being persecuted. What am I saying? You can do everything right. And it feels seems like that you're in life's vice. Where it's just like, what is going on? Now, you, we, have to, we have to qualify that. Did you, do, did you do some things? Or were you just there minding your own business, tending sheep? If you're just minding your own business, tending sheep, doing the things that God asks you to do, that doesn't necessarily uh, uh, keep you from being uh, in that vice, the life's vice. We can go into that. We won't today, but there's any number of reasons why that happens. And it, and it could be that God is trying to pull out of you all of those things uh, that, that for being, uh, to borrow from the army's thing, all that you can be. God wants to, it's like, I'm doing okay. I'm tending sheep, but I want to move you to the throne. And if I'm going to move you to the throne, there are certain things that you have to go through, certain things that you have to experience firsthand. There is no substitute for firsthand experience. I, 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 say it I said it before, say it again. I can describe Gail's Peach Cobbler all day long. All day long. It's like, I'm sick of it. Well, if you ate it, you would not be sick of it. <laughs> See, that's, that's, that's where you don't have that, you don't have that personal uh, affiliation. And so God is saying, you have to, you, you, certain things you have to experience. I want you to experience persecution. I want you to experience victory. Not in your own strength, but in my strength. So again, this is, this is, this is all, all, all review. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, let not the king do wrong uh, to his servant, David. He has not wronged you, and what, and what he has done has benefited you greatly. He took his life into his hands when he killed the Philistine. The Lord won a great victory for all of Israel, and you saw it and were glad. Why then would you do wrong to an innocent man like David by killing him for no reason? This is son to father. This is son to father. Saul listened to Jonathan, and he took an oath. As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be put to death. It wasn't because he didn't try. Uh, so how long did that oath last? Like I said last week, three verses. Uh, but an evil spirit from the Lord came on Saul as he was sitting in the house with his spear in his hand. While David was playing the lyre, uh, Saul tried to pin him to the wall with his spear. But David eluded him as Saul drove the spear into the wall. That night, David made, his, made good his escape. So David runs home. Saul sends his assassins to kill David. David's wife, who happens to be Saul's daughter, tells him, boy, you better get out of here. Uh, my daddy's trying to kill you. So David flees to Samuel, but soon Saul finds out exactly where he's at. So word came to Saul, David is in Naoth at Ramah, so he sent men to capture him. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came on Saul's men, and they also prophesied. Saul was told about it, and he sent more men. They prophesied too. Saul sent men a third time, and they also prophesied. 
Again, as we shared last week, text isn't clear what they were prophesying about, you know, what, what type of ecstatic utterances were going on. But suffice it to say, the evil one came there with a singular purpose, to capture and kill David. I'm gonna wipe him out. So he sends the first hit team, didn't work out. Sends the second hit team, that didn't work out. Sends the third hit team, that didn't work out. I mean, this is, this is, seriously, this is comical. So Saul takes matters into his own hands. So he went to Naoth at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even on him, and he walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth. He stripped off his garments, and he too prophesied in Samuel's presence. He lay naked all day long, and all day and all night. That is why people were saying, is Saul also among the prophets? Saul had no idea what he was up against. He had no idea. It's like, oh, this is just man on man. Oh, I could take him out. I'm a king. I've got armies. I've got resources. I could take him out. See, see so, so, so we need to, you know, a little window to peep through. As we go through life, as we, as we are aligned with God, and that's a big if, if and when we are aligned with God, the resources that, that, that God has arrayed on our behalf, uh, if God be for us, he's more than the world against us. If God be for us, he's more than the world against us. So we don't have to worry about, well, you know, this, this person isn't promoting and, uh, you know, my FICA score isn't so good here and uh, I got bad news from the doctor there. Uh, uh, if God be for us, he's more than the world against us. So today we're looking at the 20th chapter and I promise I won't be before you too long. Starting at the first verse. Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, what have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me? Uh, I mean, I, I, I see myself there. I, I see myself, it's like, what have I done? Why, what's the issue? Why, what, have, what have I done to cause this persecution on me? See, we, we might wanna over, uh, uh, look too religiously at this and say, well, you should've just trusted the Lord. I see myself. When you're in the middle of something, it, 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 trust can be a, a difficult thing. Trust could be a difficult thing when you're in the middle of things. But we have commentary and we have history and we can see what happened. See, when David is in it, when we're in the middle of it, and it's, it's real time just like we are. Uh, so what's your point? It, again, keep in mind that David's confusion does not equate to God's absence. Just because David is confused, God's not confused. He, he knows what's going on. God's not, hmm, I didn't see that last spear chuck from, uh, from Saul coming. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. He sent three hit teams uh, of assassins uh, his way. Uh, okay. Well, I guess I'm going to have to respond. Uh, David's confusion does not equate to God's absence. So what is Jonathan's response to David's pretty plain question? Doesn't even address his question. He doesn't even respond. He says, never, Jonathan replied. You're not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why would he hide this from me? It isn't so. But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he says to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. Uh, 
David literally, literally, Mark's translation is saying to Jonathan, I swear that your dad knows what's going on and I have one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel. Uh, it's, it's, it's my, 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 it looks like the jig is up. And Jonathan responds by telling David, look, tell me what you want me to do and I'll do it. So what do they do? They hatch a plan where David will be absent from an important feast, New Moon Festival, a combination of a religious and a civil festival. Uh, frequency doesn't matter, but New Moon, maybe every 28 days, maybe four times a year, but whatever frequency, it was a big deal. It was a two-day festival. It was one day in, in numbers, but it's two days here. So they hatch a plan. David's going to be absent. Uh, and David says, if your father is angry at my absence, that'll be proof he wants to kill me. So as they prepare to leave, we read in the 16th verse of this same 20th chapter, so Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David saying, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan has aligned himself not with his, not with his DNA, uh, not with his dad, but he has aligned himself, uh, aligned himself spiritually with David. See, yes, I know what you're saying. David and, and Jonathan, they're BFFs. They're, 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 they're super tight. But this is more than even just being close personal friends on a horizontal level. This is a spiritual connection. This is, this is, this is an absolute spiritual connection. So, um, he has moved from a position of, uh, of just relationship. Uh, yeah, you're my friend. Yeah, you're, you're, you're the chief of the armies. I'm the, uh, everybody thinks that I'm the heir to the throne. Uh, we're, we're good friends. We're tight. Uh, and David, uh, David, Jonathan has just said, I'm going to make a covenant with the house of David. I'm going to take my, everything that is important to me. Everything, my, 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 my inheritance, if you will, everything, my promotion, everything, my family relationship, everything. I'm taking everything and I'm shoving it over into the column called God. Well, you said it was David. No, God, God selected David. God selected David. David is God's representative for the task of being the leader of Israel. You reject David, you reject God. You affirm David, you affirm God. Jonathan knows something's going on here. And he, he says, I am making a covenant with you. And what does he say? May the Lord call David's enemies to account. If anybody rises up against you, as, as you being God's agent, uh, let God deal with them as harshly as, as he wants to. Let, let, let God, you take care of them. You're talking about potentially your father. You're talking about your family. You're talking about your inheritance. So, 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 what, what, what it begs the question, what have we done? What, when have we moved from a position of comfort or family to a position of spiritual uh, reliance? Where we move from, well, you know, as they say, blood's thicker than water, you know? Well, you know, I, I, I say this with all, there, there are relationships that I have with the body of Christ that, far, that extend far beyond any familial relationship that I have. That the relationship that God has, has put into my, in, in, brought into my life, in, the, in my family's life, it's like, boy, you're my sister in every sense of the word. Yeah? He's a, well, did we have the same mom? No. 
but, but we have the same father. We, we are the same uh, genealogy, spiritual genealogy. See, see and, and if, to the degree we don't see that is to the degree we, as, as I was sharing even uh, earlier today, we start to operate as free agents, independent franchises, doing our own thing because we don't look at ourselves in that way, in that spiritual connectedness that we are family. We're absolute family. We're, we're dependent on, on one another. So when David was absent the second day of the feast, one thing Saul is not, he's a dummy. He is not a dummy. And he realizes that his son and David has hatched up a plan. Uh, and so after uh, he curses, literally curses his son and uh, for what he has done, Jonathan replies, why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. Good question. He doesn't answer. Instead, Saul and that spear of his, uh, he hurls it as his, at, at him to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger. He didn't try and beat up his dad. He didn't try and fight him. He didn't try and do anything. He, what, what he did. He got up uh, in fierce anger. On that second day of the feast, he did not eat because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. Stop and take, I mean really, stop and take in what's happening. A father is trying to kill his son. Saul says he's doing this all for his son, but he's trying to kill him in the process. I'm doing this for you, son. You don't know what you're giving up. Yeah, this, this is for you. This is your inheritance. This is, this, is, this is for you. Truth be told, it's more for Saul than for, for Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan has already aligned himself with the one that God has anointed. He's essentially made the choice of God over family. Huh. So what does that mean? Hundreds of years later, uh, Jesus would, uh, would, would say this. One day when a large group of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told them, anyone who comes after me but refuses to let go of mother, father, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self, can't be my disciple. Anyone who wouldn't shoulder his own cross and follow behind me can't be my disciple. Most of you have received copies of the book, uh, Radical Disciple by John Stott, theologian's theologian. And it speaks about just that. What does it mean to be a Christ follower? What, is, what, what does it mean? Well, you know, I'm, I'm Christian. You know, I raised my hand at, at you know, some point at the end of worship, you know, and it was, it was, it was, it was, it was a response. It was, and yeah, I, my, my name's on the roll, and I, I actually, I financially give to the organization. But are you a radical disciple? Are you a Christ follower in every sense of the word that you have sold out family, jobs, my own self? for the cause of Christ. Everything. Every, see, we like to say, well, you know, and I, and I, was, I was speaking to someone and they were, they were saying words to that effect when, the, when uh, the guy came, good master, what one thing must I do to, 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 to inherit eternal life? Uh, and Jesus said, sell everything you have. Follow me. He was like, I'm not doing that. Why? Because I'm rich. I, I, got, I, I got lots of money. You go ask somebody who's poor to give it. You see, see, well, you know, that's, you know, and people, 
people, uh, whoever people are. They'll say, well, you know, God doesn't ask you to always do that. God asks you to lay down your life and present yourself as a living sacrifice. So what's more important, your life or a million dollars? Well, what's more important? What, he's telling you, he's telling, if you want to be, if you want to be one of mine, if you want to be aligned with me, you have to lay down your life. Be prepared to give up everything that you hold dear and sacred. Well, what does that mean? Everything. My time, my talent, my family, everything. Whatever it is, give, be prepared to give up everything. That promotion that, 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 that might move me from here to there, did, did God want you there? Yeah. There was, it was Robert Parker was sharing about the story, the, 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 the one uh, gentleman, he was, uh, I believe it was from Princeton University, he was uh, a professor there. Serendipity, uh, he, had, he goes to uh, uh, Haiti and essentially he never leaves because he was transformed. He saw the need, he saw the situation. It's like, whatever I got going on back here is not as important than what needs to be done here. Well, that's good for him. God hasn't spoken to me that way. Have you asked? Have you asked in that way? Is, 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 is God, God could be speaking, knocking, but, but we, have, we, 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 we have our beats or our bows, headphones of life on, and we can't hear anything because we've got, we've got our earbuds on and we've got everything else drowning out that voice that God is trying to speak to our heart. Well, I've got my agenda, Lord. All I want you to do is the cosign on it. I got a good life. I got a good job. Or I know what good life or good job I want to have. Can't you, you know, I'll fit you in when I can get you in. How about Thursday after about 4 to 4.30? I, I can squeeze you in there. And God is like, no, what I want to do is take your, your agenda and rip it apart and tell you to come follow me. Come follow me. Just, just be a Christ follower. Uh, so, anyway, let me Jonathan David had developed a plan and David uh, would know what happened. Uh, he would know if, 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 if Saul was mad uh, by how Jonathan would respond to the servant boy that would be with him. And uh, those of us that read the text, Jonathan, uh, David learned that he was correct. Saul was determined to resist God and to kill him. So in the 42nd verse of the 20th chapter, Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left and Jonathan went back to the town. That's it. What a tragic, beautiful story. Tragic, tragic in as much that, 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 that Saul resisted God. It, we don't know what the result of sin, the, 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 the rock, it's not even a pebble, the rock that we throw in the pond of life and it causes all these ripples all along the edges and it, it disturbs everything there. Well, it was just, you know, I'm just, I just wondered what's best for my son. Uh, the family is divided. The nation is divided. Uh, but look at this beautiful demonstration of what is family and what is being spiritually connected. As the 18th chapter of the book of Proverbs uh, reads, the 24th verse, one who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. But there is a friend 
who sticks closer than a brother. Or I like how the message version reads, friends come and friends go. Isn't that the truth? Friends come and friends go. But a true friend sticks by you like family. How many, just, just raise your hearts, don't raise your hands. How many spiritual friends do you have? Just how, how many spiritual friends do you have? We, we, we have, I'll, 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 I'll tell the little secret that all men already know. Men don't have many friends, period. Period. We don't. We have a lot of acquaintances. We talk smack and talk football and all that stuff. But friend, men don't, aren't prone to opening up. We don't open up. Ladies, you've been blessed. You are blessed to be able to, to open up more freely and to, to, to connect at that level. Men typically don't. That's why when you find those men, men, I'm speaking to you, when you find those men in your life, you lock on to them. Because those are the ones that are going to be able to speak into your life and to be there when everything else, when your whole world seems to be imploding in on you. Where are you going to go? What, 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 what? Friends come, friends go. But there are some friends that'll stick closer to you than a brother. And it doesn't matter who their mother is. Doesn't matter who their race is. Doesn't matter what city they were born in. Doesn't matter any of those things. What, it, what, what matters is what makes us one? What, 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 what spiritual DNA makes us one? That connects us. So when all hell is breaking loose in our life, where am I going to run to? Who am I going to go to? Well, I want to mark that perfect man. I want to go to that person that has been through something, that could speak to my life, that can give me some wisdom. It's like, listen girl, listen boy, I've been where you're at. I've been there. If, if you want to listen, if you really want to listen, I can, I can help you. But as we are, we're, we're, you know, when I was younger, not you guys, you guys are so intelligent. When I was younger, I knew everything. When I was younger, when I was, I did. I knew everything when I was younger. Uh, but every year I get older, the dumber I get. I, I, I know less and less. But I know who does know everything. I do know, I, I, and, and that's why I'm aligning with him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding because it'll mess you up every time. But if in all your ways you acknowledge him, not, not he might, he may be, there's a reasonable chance. No, he will direct your path. I'm a living witness. I, I, again, I'm, I'm, I, I, am much, I am much like David. I once was young, now I'm old. I'm old, I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never, I've, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, ever. Well, what were the Hebrews? They're these people that lost their life. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. And his seed never begs for bread. But, 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 see, you missed the whole point. Because as the disciples came to Jesus, where'd you get the food? Where'd you get the food? He's like, you're missing the point. My bread is, is here. This is my food. This is, this is why I am called to be. I am not called to this earth as Saul saw. Oh, I am called to be king. No, you're called to serve God. And you just so happen to be in the position of king to serve God. 
we get it the other way around. We say, well, I'm called to be uh, uh, an engineer and I'll squeeze in God when I can. No, you're called to serve God. Yeah. And oh, by the way, he gives you an engineering degree so you can go make some money, so you can contribute to the ministry. Let's pray.